The latest presidential poll brought some very good news for former President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, who leads the presidential race. He appeared with 46% of the voting intentions, up by two points from last week. Jair Bolsonaro, meanwhile, was parked with 31%. All the other candidates combined for just 14%. This means that if the elections were today, Lula would probably get an absolute majority of votes and clinch a win in the first round, without the need for a runoff. To secure that possibility, the former president is trying to broaden his coalition and he has just gotten a major endorsement less than three weeks before election day. Quem reúne as maiores e melhores condições para derrotar Bolsonaro. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Brasileiros e brasileiras devem se unir em legítima defesa da democracia. Lula entered the 2022 race on a mission to get his old job back. The former union leader was president between 2003 and 2010 and left office with over 80% of approval. But he was subsequently involved in corruption scandals, convicted and in prison for over a year, which made him ineligible for office in 2018. In March 2021, the Supreme Court quashed his convictions based on technicalities. This put Lula back into the political field, making him an instant presidential hopeful. Lula has presented himself as a pacifier in his quest to win back millions of voters who had turned on the left due to economic mismanagement during the Dilma Rousseff years or to the multiple scandals which emerged when the Workers' Party was in power. On multiple occasions, Lula is telling voters that he is the only person capable of leading a broad front against Jair Bolsonaro, an anti-democratic leader who, despite the numerous failures of his administration, still commands the support of one-third of the electorate. That broad front just got broader on Monday, when Lula shared the stage with and got the endorsement from Marina Silva, his former environment minister, who has had a strained relationship with the Workers' Party in recent years. Em nome daquilo que está acima de nós e olhando de baixo para cima para ver o que está acima de nós, é que eu manifesto meu apoio. This was the culmination of months of behind-the-scenes negotiations to heal old wounds that had been opened by politics. And to discuss what happened this week, I welcome back Ewan Marshall, editor of the Brazilian Report. How's it going, Ewan? Hi, Gustavo. All good. So, Ewan, we saw Lula share the stage on Monday with two former presidential candidates, Marina Silva, who ran in 2010, 2014, and 2018, and Geraldo Alckmin, who ran in 06, facing Lula in the runoff of all people, and then also in 2018. One of them is now Lula's running mate, and the other just endorsed him for president. So can that broad front get any broader than that? 
Well, these are certainly alliances that you would call unthinkable just a few years ago. Um, while never actually serving as president, both Marina and Alckmin remain major political figures in Brazil and they each bring different advantages to the table for Lola. Altman is a well-heeled conservative from Sao Paulo. He speaks to the importance of enterprise, agribusiness and financial elites. And, you know, if there were any fears that another Lula presidency would be bad for those sectors of the economy, picking Altman as a running mate sought to dispel that. Marina, on the other hand, gives Lula something different. I mean, firstly, she's a woman and she's a devout evangelical Christian. But above all, she's seen as a credible defender of the environment. And you cover environmental issues. You also have interviewed Marina Silva a few years ago for the Brazilian Report. So tell me, why was the Marina endorsement so significant? Well, Marina Silva has become a much derided figure in Brazilian politics. Uh, because at this stage in her career, she's often dismissed as being a presidential also-ran, uh, because she's lost on each of the three times that she's ran for office. But because she now only appears on the national news once every four years, it's become easy to forget the vast importance of her contribution to Brazil's environmental policies, especially during her time as the environment minister from 2003 to 2008 under the Lula administration. And her life story is incredible, and it perhaps goes some way towards explaining why the international press has been so fond of her. Born in the rural northern city of Rio Branco, she worked with her father tapping rubber in the rainforest until she was 15 when she was diagnosed with hepatitis. And she also suffered from a number of health issues during her teens, including mercury poisoning, leishmaniasis and a number of malaria infections. And she only learned to read and write at 16, and she went on to do a history degree at the University of Acre. And then in the mid-1980s, Marina joined the Workers' Party and engaged in environmental activism alongside her colleague and friend, the late Chico Menges. And in 1988, the same year that Menges was assassinated, she was elected councillor of Rio Branco. And eventually she would make her way to the Senate in 1994, where she became the youngest senator in Brazil's history at that point. Yeah, she was just 36 years old when she took office in the Senate, and that's just a year older than the minimum age for senators. Yeah, and when Lula was elected president in 2002, he appointed Marina as his environment minister the following year. And how did she fare? Yeah, very well. As she arrived in office with deforestation spiraling out of control, but from the implementation of her forest protection plan in 2004 until the time she left the government five years later, deforestation in the Brazilian Amazon dropped by almost 80%. That's an impressive record. So why did she leave early? Well, there are a few reasons. Uh, first, she complained that her deforestation plan was being dismantled under political pressure. Uh, a lot of state governors in the Amazon complained that their rules were too strict and Lola caved to them. So in response, Marina resigned uh, and she told me in that interview that she didn't fancy sticking around in government as a decorative environment minister. But in her resignation letter, Marina Silva also talked about, quote, growing resistance to her work from important sectors within the government. Now, that was a veiled jab at Dilma Rousseff, who was at the time Lola's chief of staff and a sort of government manager for all things infrastructure. 
Gioma was in favour of laxer environmental rules, in favour of grand building projects, and she was winning most of her battles against Marina Silva. And the biggest one of these was over the Belo Monte Hydroelectric Dam, which is one of the biggest in the country and it sits right in the heart of the Amazon. Now, Marina's opposition to this project was clear because the location of this proposed dam, which is the Shingo River, it was a key source of biodiversity, it was critical to the livelihoods of a lot of nearby indigenous communities. And, you know, just to give you an idea of how much Belo Monte changed things, in 2013, the so-called Big Bend of the Shingo River was a massive river valley teeming with wildlife. Just five years later, the volume of water flowing through there had decreased by as much as 80%. Hoje, 17 de fevereiro de 2021, sou Sara Rodrigues, pescadora. É aqui da Volta Grande do Xingu, da vazão reduzida. Vim é aqui por meio desse vídeo mostrar a situação que o rio tá. Now, to build that dam, engineers had to change the river's flow around the Big Bend, channeling water into this massive reservoir which powers the station. And now, the Shingu River basically bypasses the Big Bend entirely, and it has become inhabitable for indigenous communities and plant and animal species. Ele perdeu esse, esse ciclo que ele tinha, um ciclo que era da natureza. O homem veio e fez isso daqui... So Marina not only left the Lula government, but uh, one year later she left the Workers' Party as well. And there has been plenty of bad blood between the two sides. Does that boil down just to Belo Monte? Well, it was one of the reasons, but the Workers' Party did make it particularly easy for Marina to dislike them, uh, especially during the 2014 election. And we're going to talk about that after a quick break. We'll be right back. As you may already know, the Brazilian Report is funded by subscriptions and support from loyal readers. Besides subscribing to our website and getting exclusive daily content on Brazil and Latin America, you can also treat our staff to one to five cups of coffee a month. In return, you get exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. And today I want to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Felipe Saito, José Rosi Stankovic, Gabriela Graf Innes, Emerging Market Muser, Yarden Iftar, Tonica Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Fra, Peter Suffering, Anna Lund, and someone who chose to remain anonymous, and the list has been growing and growing. And if you are like them and believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, just head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and subscribe to one of the membership tiers. If you cannot make a monthly commitment, you can still tip us a cup of coffee every now and then to give us just the energy boost we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America, and we appreciate all your support. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. Buy 
So Iwan, you were saying that Belo Monte is just the tip of the iceberg of Medina's grievances with the Workers' Party. Yeah, I mean, she has no shortage of complaints about the party, but perhaps none greater than how she was treated by them in 2014. What happened in 2014? Well, so after Marina leaves the government, she leaves the Workers' Party and joins the Green Party. And then she runs for president herself in 2010. And she presents herself as a sort of third-way environmentalist candidate. She wants to break the dichotomy of the Workers' Party and the Brazilian Social Democracy Party, or PSDB. While kind of showing herself as an alternative, Marina also used to say that she would govern with the best names from those two parties and not enter into petty political fights. And that message resonated with a lot of Brazilians. And she got almost 20% of the vote in the first round, and she missed out on the runoff. No, and I remember that her results caught many off guard. I mean, it's one of the reasons why people kind of thought a third-way candidate in 2022 would be possible because Marina instilled that idea that a third-way can happen in Brazil. Yeah, and then she did it again in 2014. Uh, She was invited to join the ticket of Eduardo Campos, who was the governor of Pernambuco at the time and who led the Brazilian Socialist Party. And like she had four years before, he was running on a kind of third-way platform. O Brasil conhece Marina Silva. Ela recebeu 20 milhões de votos em 2010. But Eduardo Campos died in a plane crash right at the beginning of the campaign, which automatically made Marina the head of the ticket. And almost overnight, she shot up in the polls. She reached second place behind Dilma Rousseff. And as a result, both the Workers' Party and the PSDB started to take aim at her. Our Brasilia correspondent Sede Silva commented on their strategy a few weeks ago when he was discussing political ads on TV and radio. And basically, PSDB candidate Aécio Neves highlighted Marina's past as a member of the Workers' Party, which is Dilma's party. It was a way of saying that only he could represent change in that election. But Gilma's campaign, meanwhile, they went below the belt in a strategy orchestrated by political marketeer João Santana. One ad showed food disappearing from a family's dinner table, arguing that Marina's proposed autonomy for the central bank would make Brazilians poorer and hungrier. Os juros que você paga, seu emprego, preços e até salários. Ou seja, os bancos assumem um poder que é do presidente e do Congresso, eleitos pelo povo. Você quer dar a eles esse poder? And in the end, Marina plummeted in the polls and she finished third with 21% of the vote. And Marina complained that this aggressive campaigning strategy was akin to character assassination. Fazer o que estão fazendo para destruir a biografia honrada de uma outra mulher. And because of that episode, she said the Workers' Party pioneered the heavy use of fake news to smear competitors in Brazil. And ironically, the Workers' Party would get a taste of its own medicine four years later when Jair Bolsonaro basically firehosed public discourse with falsehoods against the Workers' Party too. Yeah, exactly. And, well, Marina is still kind of hurting from 2014. And Ciro Gomes, who is currently polling in third this year, he had tried to woo Marina to his side. But she turned him down because his campaign is being run by João Santana, the same strategist who employed that, quote, character assassination in 2014. 
But I think that because Marina and the Workers' Party are still not best pals, that's what makes her endorsement of Lola so significant. Because it's a statement to voters that you don't need to like Lola to support him against what he calls the worst evil, the anti-democratic Jair Bolsonaro. Yeah, I mean, it's like even guys who used to hate my party or hate me personally until very recently are rallying behind my name. So what else can I do to convince you that I'm a moderate, right? I mean, that's pretty much what Lula is telling voters. And besides there being a lot of people who were trying to get Lula and Marina together, what else made this rapprochement possible? Well, Marina presented a document in which she demands commitments from Lola on the environmental agenda. Basically, she's saying that if Lola's elected, then they must undo everything Bolsonaro did in terms of environmental policies. De criarmos uma autoridade nacional para o enfrentamento das mudanças climáticas. That means restructuring regulatory bodies, tackling illegal deforestation, promoting sustainable projects in the Amazon, etc. I mean, unsurprising demands from someone so closely associated with the environmental agenda. So we want... We are talking about the symbolic weight that Marina has. What about her electoral weight? Well, Marina Silva ran again for president in 2018 and had a bit of a horrible showing. Uh, she did have some highlights during the campaign, notably when she confronted Jair Bolsonaro up close during a debate at the start of the campaign. E você fica ensinando para o nosso jovem que tem que resolver as coisas é na base do grito, Bolsonaro. Você um dia desse pegou a mãozinha de uma criança e ensinou como é que se faz para atirar. But in the end, she only managed just 1% of the vote. So, you know, that's nowhere near the massive numbers of 2010 or 2014. But even so, she remains a household name, uh, which is why she is running for a house seat representing Sao Paulo this year. And, you know, one would assume that she will not only get a vote easily, but she will also help her Heiji party elect a respectable bench in Congress. And what do you mean by respectable bench, by Hedges' standards? Yeah, well, they only managed to elect one House member four years ago uh, around the whole of Brazil. And today they only have just two seats. So, you know, anything above that would definitely be an improvement. Yeah, just two seats out of 513. So it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily making waves in Brasilia. So Marina definitely might improve their scores. Uh, so even we're going to see further in the week if Marina's endorsement to Lula will move the needle further in his favor. But thank you very much. Thanks, Gustavo. And if you are keen on the Brazilian election, then you should know that we have recently launched a special 2022 election report with everything you need to know about the races for Congress, governorships, and of course, the presidency. And listeners of our podcast get a 20% special discount. You just have to go to brazilian.report slash subscribe, scroll down a little bit to the report section, and then use the explaining 2022 promo code. So one more time, go to brazilian.report slash subscribe, scroll down a little bit to the report section, 
and use the EXPLAINING2022 promo code. And if you like Explaining Brazil, as always, we ask you to give us a 5-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second, but it really helps us reach a broader audience. Or better yet, if you have already given us 5 stars, you can sign up for the Brazilian Report, which is the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model and your subscriptions fuel our journalism. If you are already a subscriber, then you can give us an extra support by filling up our coffee mugs with donations on Buy Me A Coffee. This membership program offers special content and exclusive newsletters. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening and Explaining Brazil will be back next week. Mm-hmm.